Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Furkan Dandia. In this week's episode, I welcome Mike Pantile. Mike is a dedicated Christian husband and father. He is a self-employed fitness professional, a personal trainer, an online coach, and a gym owner. His life is centered around helping others become better, fitter, stronger versions of themselves, and he wouldn't have it any other way. Mike is also passionate about writing on masculinity, marriage, and fatherhood. Mike lived a reckless life before becoming a dad, and quickly after his wife gave birth to their daughter, his heart was softened and his life changed for the better. Through the process of writing and idea exploration, his main objective is not only to help himself become a better Christian, father, and husband, but also to help others in the same way. Mike feels like he's on fire for everything he does, and he would like to give all glory to God for the blessings he has. In this episode, Mike and I talk about forgiving our fathers. We both talk about why we must have forgiveness for others to move forward in our lives and be better parents to our children. The aspect of forgiveness can hold us back and prevent us from genuinely embodying our awakened self. Please find Mike on Instagram at Mike Pantile. And if you could leave a five-star review at the end of the episode, I would truly appreciate it. All right, Mike, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. Thank you for coming on here and doing this with me. I'm super, super grateful and I'm really excited for the conversation we're going to have today. But before we uh, get started, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself, tell the listeners where you are and what it is that you do. Rukhan, thank you very much, brother. I was looking forward to this conversation after our, uh, our phone conversation a couple of weeks ago. So my name is Mike Pantile. It's spelled Pantile, but it's pronounced Pantile. <laughs> I live in uh, Edmonton, Alberta. I just moved here uh, a few months ago. And so uh, other than being a Christian, a father, and a husband, I am also in the fitness space, so I do for a living. So I own a gym in, in Vancouver that I operate remotely. Um, I have an online training and nutrition business, and I do personal training here in the city as well. So, you know, I call myself, you know, funny enough, a professional meathead, but that's pretty much what I am. <laughs> awesome. And so... How is it like, I guess I'm interested in knowing how you're running your gym remotely. Um, like you don't need to be there physically. It, it kind of works itself out and, and you're just very happy. Yeah, it's a pretty, yeah, sorry to interrupt you. It's a pretty unique situation. You know, the, it's a small membership base. So it's like, it is my personal training is private studio. So it's like 1200 square feet. And so the members that are there are my old clients. And my whole point is not to make it like this huge moneymaker. Obviously it still makes me money, which is great, but. It's more so still to just be of service to my community, those people that were so loyal to me for years and years and years. And, you know, it was one of those things that we all kind of discussed, put our heads together. And essentially, it's a private membership club where they get, you know, training and nutrition parameters sent to them weekly via spreadsheet. And we have a WhatsApp group where we all kind of keep in contact. And like I said, the primary driver and motivation for that is not money, but it's just like service to the community, you know, the added benefit of obviously, you know, still being able to pay to keep the doors and the lights on. So. That's how I operate that. And it's pretty straightforward. You know, the people that I have down there are so trustworthy that, you know, it's pretty hands-off for me other than, you know, dealing with, you know, paying rent and utilities and whatnot. It's pretty, you know, thank God, pretty hands-off. Yeah, yeah, no, that's super cool. Um, thanks for sharing all that. But yeah, I, I guess when we chatted a couple of weeks ago, as you mentioned, we, we talked about many things. 
And uh, one of the things that resonated for me is, um, I guess, one of the things I've been covering a lot on this podcast, whether it's subconsciously or I don't know what's going on, but we've been talking about a lot of um, kind of the rites of passage for men and and like the hero's journey and um, these archetypical stories that we all kind of go through in our lives. And one of the things that jumped out for me is around, um, I think, forgiveness. And part of it is healing the relationships with our parents. Um, and in a, I guess one of the things we talked about was having that level of forgiveness for our fathers. And it's so crucial. Um, I know I had to do that and it really helped me move forward with my life. It, it almost helped me. I was carrying this burden around and I didn't know about it until I actually faced it um, and dealt with it, that it really allowed me, looking back now, it's really enabled my growth uh, exponentially uh, because I was able to kind of get rid of that burden and that weight I was carrying around. Um, I don't know if that resonates for you or if your experience was similar, but um, Dude, yeah, for that. Absolutely, man. I think that's something that plagues so many men nowadays because, you know, it, once you remove the fathers from the household and when they remove themselves, you know, what, what, what identity and what sort of, um, you know, container of leadership do we have, right? You know, it's like, I refer back to that fight club quote, you know, when Tyler Durden and he's talking to the other guy when he's in the bathtub, he's like, man, he goes, if we have no fathers. Like, what is that? I'm paraphrasing, you know, what does that, you know, mean for, for God? God hates us. You know, God's abandoned us, you know, our, 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 our earthly you know father is not there so you know that's a representation that obviously god doesn't have us in his favor but i don't believe that um for a second and so just just like you i was carrying this burden i didn't i didn't realize i was being shackled by this weight for so long you know and and you know the also the thing too is i think so many men out there have fooled themselves to think that they've actually forgiven their father but they don't mm -hmm. actually know what it means to actually forgive and i'm mm -hmm. i'm starting to i'm learning that more and more in my faith walk and my walk as like you know father and as a husband too and I don't know if I'm 100% all the way there, but I know, you know, with each day, with each day that God gives me more wisdom, I do, I am getting closer to that. And for me, like, I'd love to hear about how you reconcile that with yourself and your father. But for me, it's like just accepting that, you know, he's just a man. Mm -hmm. He's a flawed man. And, you know, likely whatever he passed on to me was probably passed on to him from his father. And then his father, it's this generational thing. And What's beautiful about technology in this social media era is that we're aware of this stuff. So now we, 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 can, we can kind of attack the problem head on, right? Because yeah. this generational, this cycle of generational trauma is, is a very, very real thing. And so the only way I've been able to really deconstruct that is, with, is through my faith. It's really through, you know, the softening of my heart through, you know, I'm a Christian. And so with each week that passes in my faith, I, I come closer to this understanding of, He's flawed. He was, you know, damaged by his own father. And so he likely didn't forgive his own father. And he's just living his life the only way that he knows how. And there was also, I'm not sure about your situation, but with my father in particular, there was, you know, an overbearing mother that didn't have any, there was no boundaries. And so yeah. I still hear this excuse to this day. And it's amazing, like from even family members, I don't hold it against them at all. It's like, oh, you know, it's not his fault. It's his mom's. It's like, dude. I can't imagine a more like pathetic excuse for a grown man to like, you know, have not, you know, to have not launched his life and spread his wings. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's hard to answer that question directly, but I just know that, you know, the more that I pray, the more that I get closer to Christ, the more I realize, hey, he's a flawed man. He was hurt by his dad 
And it's up to me to sort of break that cycle with my own daughter. And that starts with understanding that he's flawed and mm -hmm. that he couldn't help it past a certain mm -hmm. point. So mm -hmm. that's where I'm at with that. So, and, and for yourself, how did you realize that it was this thing that you were carrying around that was there, but you weren't aware of? Yeah, well, I appreciate you asking me the questions. <laughs> um, it's interesting because I, I started going for therapy. Um, so I was going through my divorce five years ago and, and I was seeking therapy. And uh, once I was kind of able to deal with what was happening in the moment, all the stressors, I started kind of healing my past. And um, fortunately, I was able to uncover a lot of things that I had been carrying from the past. And um, for some reason, I was really compelled to um, talk to my dad. And, and it's funny because, you know, there's enough experiences from childhood where it's like I could easily have the same conversation with my mother, uh, which I haven't yet. But it, it, for some reason, I was more compelled to to have that conversation with my father. And, and I remember specifically visiting because they live uh, in a different city, uh, really making intention, intention and telling him, hey, I want to sit down and chat with you. And when I sat down, I was scared because I, I wasn't looking forward to it. But at the same time, I didn't have any expectations. And what was beautiful was I was able to put, you know, I didn't get into every specific detail, but it was, um, I, I was able to put a lot on the table and, and to your point, you know, my dad didn't respond with defensiveness, which really helped. He admitted his vulnerabilities and flaw and like, as you've alluded to, uh, in your kind of experience, it, it's hard not to have compassion and empathy for a person who's just saying, Hey, you know what? I, yeah, I wasn't the best. I made mistakes and I'm sorry. Like, how can you not forgive someone like that? And, and if you can't, then you're basically, um, you know, taking on that poison yourself, right? Uh, you're going to carry that resentment when the other person is just saying, yeah, you know what? I, I am flawed. So that really helped not only our relationship, but it's helped me move forward. And as a father myself, it's allowed me to just tell my son all the time and remind him that, Hey, I'm flawed. I'm making mistakes. I'm trying to figure this out every day. Um, and I'm using whatever you indicate to me as feedback, but, um, I'm hoping that as he gets older, he's able to hopefully share whatever's whatever I've done to impact him. And, and I'm hoping I can have that opportunity to apologize when he's older. So that was kind of my experience, um, in a nutshell, but, uh, it, it, it really propelled my growth uh, on this journey as well. Just having, uh, I think you kind of go through these different, um, I would say obstacles on your journey and, and how you respond and deal with them. Sometimes it takes you a really long time to get through those obstacles, but it's really having um, that ability to be humble and, and continue to try. That's how I look at it. Yeah, it's a beautiful way to put it, man. I appreciate you sharing that story. I think one of the, one of the things that, that's plagued me has been difficult for me. And you know, when you sat down with your dad, I'm not sure if you had expectations, but I remember before I moved here to Alberta, mm -hmm. we moved here, you know, we met up and I haven't seen my dad in, in a long, long, long time. And, you know, he's, you know, to be completely honest, he'll probably listen to this once, once it's out and 
I'm I'm just not the type of guy that wants to slander anybody anymore. Like I don't have a resentful heart. You know, I'm not like yeah. angry in my heart. So like I'm not trying to be insulting, you know, but you know, he's not exactly in his right mind. There was a lot of drug use um mm-hmm. that happened over years and years and years. And there's some sort of like, you know, paranoid sort of psychosis type of stuff happening. And so after the birth of my daughter, you know, I'd been told by my family for so long, oh, you know, your dad's gonna change once you have a kid. And so, you know, as much as I say that I didn't cling on to this hope, I did. You know, I very, very yeah. much did. And so, you know, when my daughter was born, you know, there wasn't much of a, a response from him, which obviously like, you know, really broke my heart. Then, you know, before we we uh, we moved here, he wanted to meet up. And so I was excited. I'm like, okay, my dad gets to see me like a dad. You know, mm-hmm. I, he's never seen me like this. And when we met up, it was him and, and my grandmother. They, you know, again, talking about the dysfunctional, overbearing mother relationship that's sort of always been there. Um, I could tell there was a lot of discomfort. Um, I could tell that, you know, when we... When we met up, I put a mirror up in front of his face and it wasn't, I don't think it was very pleasant for him. Obviously, you know, loves my daughter. He was, you know, happy to see her, but you could tell there was like this, his brain was somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And my problem for me was like, I had this expectation that things were going to change. I had this Mm -hmm. expectation like, hey, we're going to sit down. We were going to reconcile our differences. He was going to say sorry. And we were going to ride off into the sunset. I think so many men handcuffed their progress by having these expectations that really end up disappointing them. You have to understand and you have no expectations for that relationship you know and once you do it just if you have expectations that are not met and they're usually not met because again they're flawed just like we are um it just leads to way more heartbreak so after that meeting i was awful like oh that was really positive and then you know we're supposed to get together one last time before uh, before we left and he canceled last minute i'm like man like i was just despondent i was just Mm -hmm. beside myself and i'm like it's because i had this expectation and i know i knew for myself I had to have this boundary of like, I can't let this happen to me anymore. I can't have a relationship like this anymore. That's, that's, you know, based off of broken promises. Cause it's just an, um, a reminder of, you know, I have a younger brother and, you know, they, we, you know, my mom and dad divorced early and there was a lot of trauma that came with that. And I'm so glad my brother doesn't remember a lot of the stuff, but I do being back right. and forth and back and forth. And, you know, there was a lot of times where he just canceled last minute and just wasn't there for us. And it was more so like this buddy friend relationship than it was like, you know, I'm a father. I want to take care of you. And so, you know, I kind of got off on a tangent there, but those expectations, you know, to guys out there too, it's just with your dad, if he's a flawed guy, which he probably is, if he's human, um, don't have any expectations. Like you have to heal that relationship and forgive for yourself, for yourself, you know, that relationship may never be the same, you know? And so, um, it's just about reconciling that difference in your own heart because it's just nothing is a greater um threat to your own progress as a man and then you end up um recycling those historical traumatic patterns in your own household which i did you know and yeah was uh was promiscuous and was very angry and very uh you know all of those like sort of toxic hyper masculine traits and it's funny the, the more that you you know you hate something about somebody else especially your dad the more you kind of become it mm-hmm. you know so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm still working through that. If I were to be complete, completely honest with you, <laughs> yeah, no, I I appreciate that, and and I mean, you know, three things came up for me while you were sharing that, and I think first of all, we, you know, when we're practicing that compassion and empathy for the other person, we have to realize that there's probably shame there. I know for my father, I could tell he was struggling because he knew that there was something. I was probably pushing him away or, or, you know, holding back. So he struggled with that. And, and I could tell he was holding back. 
And for me, it was like, okay, well, someone's got to do something and why not me? Right. So, so there's often that shame that comes from the other person too, because they know they probably let someone down, especially if it's your own child that I've let my child down. How do I show up? And, and so, so, you know, you have to keep that in mind. The other piece, um, my therapist told me, like, I remember talking to her about it and being like, you know, I think I'm going to go talk to my dad. And she's like, okay, well, you don't need to, you can write a letter. Uh, she gave me, you know, a couple of options. You can write a letter, you can uh, talk to their, a picture of them. Um, forgiveness to your point is for yourself, right? It's not necessarily for the other person, nor are you letting the other person off the hook by forgiving them. You're basically, um, freeing yourself. So, so she kind of shared a couple of other things. And, and the reason why I mentioned that is for listeners or even yourself, uh, there's other ways you can, you can do that. Right. And, and, um, and give that forgiveness out. Um, I know people I've done for other people, I've written letters or, or typed up an email and never really sent it, but it is therapeutic in that sense. Um, so, so, and then there was a third thing I was going to mention. Uh, which I kind of forgot now, but Dude, it's all, it'll come back. I just think it's super important too. When, when somebody's thinking about doing that and taking that step to talk to their parent, whether it's their father or their mother, really like you got to really address your intentions as to why, you know, mm -hmm. because like a few years, a couple of years ago, I reached out to my dad. I was in this kind of like this fork in the road moment in my life. And I, I reached out to my dad and I told him, I'm like, I'm sorry. I love you. And at the time, dude, like, there was these genuine intentions. I'm like, I'm sorry. But then I'm like, like man, what am I, what am I sorry for? Mm -hmm. What am I sorry for? You know, okay. I'm sorry for judging him. I can say that, you know, I'm, I'm now learning this in real time on the podcast. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm sorry for judging him harshly. I'm not yeah. God judge him, but I'm reaching out to him. And I didn't reach out to him for just to say that there was like this deep, this, like that child in me that wanted dad to just show up finally. And so when, when he responded, you know, my, my, my father has these moments of like lucidity where his real intelligence, he's a very smart man. You know, he's very smart. Just didn't come to the point where he fully realized that, that, that proclivity about himself. And there's these moments of lucidity where I see it. I'm like, man, okay, that's the man I want to talk to, but, mm -hmm. but he's guessed as to what version of, of him I'm going to get when I talk to him. So, um, I think the observing your intentions before you write that letter is super important. Just like to protect your own heart because it could yeah. just make if that expectation isn't met right and right. it's important to have no expectations with these people right because right. they had they hold so much power over you you know whether you want to acknowledge it or not yeah yeah and i think boundaries as you mentioned earlier is a good way of um claiming your power back um even if you were to uh, forgive doesn't mean you don't get to have boundaries um it doesn't mean that you get you don't get to um, keep your distance, right? If, if someone is hurting you continuously, you can forgive, but you can also set boundaries, right? So that's kind of, uh, one of the things I remind people. The third thing I was going to mention, uh, like it's, it's, um, right now I'm kind of in my last course for school, we've been talking about a lot of family systems and, and intergenerational trauma. And that's the one thing that keeps coming up is, um, when we don't do these things of healing ourselves, we, we're not able to differentiate ourselves from, from that family dynamic. And often if that family dynamic is toxic or if there's a lot of trauma, you're, you're taking that on in your life. And what I see with a lot of people and myself included, I think 
what happens is if you're not differentiating yourself, um, you're not taking rest responsibility for yourself and you're often blaming, right? So it's like, oh, villainizing the parent and then you're victimized, you're playing the victim and that doesn't really help with your growth. And I think that's the other thing on a subconscious level that came up for me when I was going for therapy is like, okay, you know, yeah, these things were terrible or whatever. From my perspective, they weren't great, but I'm a grown man now and it's my responsibility to heal and put an end to this. And maybe I put an end to a cycle that was being carried down. I, I like to believe so um, because it's definitely helped me. And for me, it was also important that I, to your point earlier, I'm not passing that down to my child. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be other things that are going to be passed down, but at least this stuff I'm putting an end to because I've become aware of it. Totally. And and so much of what uh, we become is what we tell ourselves about our families and about ourselves. I was just, I was, you know, make a post about this very thing is my whole life I've been told by myself and by other people that I'm high strung. And it's like, well, I think that's just an excuse for anger, just to be yeah. angry. Like you're not high strung, dude. What if you spent 20 years telling yourself that you were calm? What if you told yourself for 20 years, telling yourself that like your family was flawed, like every other family and you didn't have the super dysfunctional screwed up family and you know, woe is me. And so, and to your point too, victimhood mentality is like, talk about handcuffing your growth, whether you're man or woman, if you want to completely just stay in the same place for your whole life, victimize yourself. And I saw this a lot in my, in my household. And again, this is not to trash my family is this old school sort of Roman Catholic old Testament. I'm below God, you know, like, why is this happening to me? That was like bread in my head for like so many years. For then in this area of like, you know, my father, it's like, why me? Why does that person have a, a dad and why do I have? And then I came to realize, I said, listen, you know, um, things happen for you, not to you. You yeah. know, and I just reframing that, it's like, okay, well now I understand. And it's allowed me to step into this role where I'm like, not only do I want to become the man that I like masculinity is aspirational. It's like something that you never really like get. You don't get right. to like the finish line or like, I'm a man. Cool. I get to sit down and rest on my laurels. It's like, not only do I have this aspiration of the man that like I want to um, become, it's also like, what kind of man did like the five-year-old me need? Right. And, and in solving that, it's not like the player guy that fills himself with, you know, earthly pleasures because he's so numb and has no purpose it's like right. you know when i think about five-year-old me and you know if i do that for too long i become emotional just like me i just i don't know why i picture myself as like a five-year-old kid sitting in the basement of my dad's house on the on the couch alone that's where my head yeah and i remember doing this with an exercise with a therapist it's like what would you be telling yourself man it's like that's a hard conversation to have yeah. Taking away that victimhood mentality and instead looking at it as, okay, this happened for me. What does that mean? That means I have an example of what not to be like. That's a blessing. It's a gift. Right. Okay. I have, the, I, I have this, this knowledge of what not to be. So now, even if I don't feel like the opposite, I got to fake it. That makes any sense. But what the problem with that is, is that men like myself, like who are faking it, like you have these blind spots, like you don't see, right? You know, and especially until you've stepped into your faith where like now the whole world, you, you see it with old eyes and new, but then you become so vulnerable to like these red pill tactics. You become yeah. so vulnerable to this manosphere stuff. And you, you, be, you, you got, you see guys like Andrew Tate and I don't think he's an all around bad guy. I don't, 
I just think, you know, he's a brilliant marketer, all that stuff. That's a story for a different day, but they latch onto these ideals of what they think manhood is. And then all of a sudden they're just repeating these past cycles, no different than their own father. Their yeah. father, my father didn't know what red pill was, but he was acting that way. Yeah. I, I figured out what red pill was. And then I just started acting that way. You know yeah. what I mean? So without something to ground us as like young males, we tend to latch on to like the worst things. That's why young men become gangsters, right? Because mm -hmm. they see men, that's the only brotherhood that they know. And so now we have this world that's void of fatherhood, but it's also void of brotherhood. Yep. Yep. And that's why these conversations are so healing. Absolutely. Because what not men are bringing their trauma to the table and saying, hey, this is what I've struggled with for so long. And in fact, it keeps me up at night and it makes me cry my eyes out. Yeah. 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 yeah and, and so, go ahead. No, I was just going to add to your point. I think it all circles back to taking responsibility for yourself. And, you know, uh, you were touching on the whole concept of masculinity. I think so many men are are lost because they're trying to define masculinity for themselves and it's like to me personally what makes it so simple is i'm not striving to fit any label of masculinity for me it's just maintaining humility in my life and you know if i want to cry i will cry but that doesn't mean i'm less masculine it's like well i'm humble enough to accept that uh there is an emotion that i'm feeling and However, that emotion needs to be felt. I'm going to let it feel, you know, I'm going to let myself feel it that way without any judgment. Um, but I think a lot of guys, because they haven't taken that responsibility, they're either like living a life of nihilism or, or hedonism because they're just trying to seek out pleasure to numb that pain or nihilism through, oh, you know, my life is just depressing. And what's the point of all of this? Um, and, and I think until you don't find meaning and there's meaning behind every situation. And for me, you know, going back to this whole experience with my father, there was meaning in it because, um, perhaps it was meant for me to end the generational trauma. And yeah. there's so much meaning behind that if you choose to look at it that way. Right. Um, but I think to your point earlier, um, it's, it's also understanding that often, one of the things I've started to internalize more lately, it's taken me a while to get that here, but we often judge other people because based on the things we hate about ourselves. And yeah. when you really sit down and, you know, let that one sink, it's huge. And I've let that one sink and I'm now starting to catch myself and I don't judge myself. I kind of have to have compassion for myself too. So if I see another dude and I'm judging him, now I'm able to stop and think about, okay, what's about that person that's irritating me and how am I also demonstrating that behavior? When do I do that? And why is it so irritating to me about myself? And immediately I'm able to not only stop judging the other person and have compassion for them, but I'm able to look at it, look at myself in the mirror and find that opportunity for growth. Um, and I think when we, start looking at our parents that way, it can, it can make a huge difference because quite often we do inherit their personality traits and then we judge them for it. Well, meanwhile, we know it's something we don't like about ourselves. Totally. And also too, recognizing that the gifts that we've been given are partly in due to both mother and father. And so that's another thing too, that, that has helped me reconcile, you know, my relationship with my dad is that, Hey, listen, like I've gotten some positive things from him. 
and I've only recently started to like identify what those things are. So it's like, it's not all bad. Whatever good is inside of you is partly the good that's been instilled by your dad, whether directly or indirectly through speech or whatever, um, or just pure, just, you know, genetics. It's like, I've learned to not resent the fact that I walk like my dad. I don't resent the fact, like I talk like my dad because I'm a charismatic guy. And so there's positive things there. Right. And then to your point too, about being the one to break generational trauma, I, I recently read this book by uh, Ed Milet. It's called The Power of One More. And in, 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 in that book, there was a chapter about the Matrix and Neo. And in the movie, what do we remember about Neo? He was the one, right? Yeah. And I believe every family has the one in their family tree. We just have to be the ones to like identify that. And the one meaning the person that breaks that, that, that curse, breaks that cycle. You know, for me, it was like finding out, man, I did this, this family tree exercise with a therapist a few years ago. And I found out that I was like the only dude that didn't, you know, I wasn't unfaithful to a woman at any point. I was the only man in like multi-generations that like I've been close before, but I've never been truthfully unfaithful to a woman. Like I've never you know, cheated on a woman before. I'm like, man, okay, cool. I'll take that. I'll put that feather in my cap. And I yeah. think, you know, more guys took that upon themselves. And it's again, to your point, and it comes back down to responsibility. It's personal responsibility. That's why guys like Jordan Peterson are as famous as he is because he's brought that simple concept of personal responsibility back to the forefront. Absolutely. And now he gets lost in the weeds by focusing too much on the self. And I think we are more a collective. Like there's no such thing as the lone wolf, bro. Like, yeah, I made a post about that. It's like, there's no such thing. That's like something that the internet fetishizes because we're so isolated because of this technological dominance, but we need tribe. We need brotherhood. We need yeah. a, a collective of males that come together that, that aspire to a greater purpose. Mm-hmm. And, but we also need that brotherhood to help, you know, repair brokenness too. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, around the whole lone wolf concept, all the research I've done over the last couple of years around addiction, uh, any kind of addiction, whether it's alcohol, drugs, porn, um, we're all seeking connection in a way. And, and because we're not meant to be isolated and alone. So we kind of numb ourselves through these addictions or, or certain um, traits or habits because at the end of the day, we are seeking connection and we are, you know, it's that collective consciousness that we talk about or people talk about. It's, we are all in one form unity, right? And, and how you find that in your life and often people get lost, right? Through, through other things. Um, but at the end of the day, they're seeking that connection and until they don't realize what they're seeking, they're continuing to repeat those patterns and those habits. And it's only when they're able to focus on that connection piece, whether it's through community, family, um, friends, that's where it's healing. And, and a lot, I see that a lot, even in, in the men's groups I'm part of, we, we see that, that when the men show up, they feel that sense of community now, and it's really helped their growth. It's helped them show up as better fathers, better husbands. And, and it's so important, as you mentioned that, you know, we're not meant to be isolated We're we're meant to be connected with people. Yeah. And you know, that brotherhood also helps us realize whether or not we're living a lie, dude, you know, I can speak to myself in like my history with, you know, red pill and sexual promiscuity and all this stuff was I was trying to play the role that society wanted to, you know, assign me. Right. Like my whole life, people were, you know, especially after I lost, you know, over a hundred pounds. And now I started, you know, females started actually paying attention to me. 
you know, people were, you know, would tell me, Hey Mike, you know, you're a decent looking guy, you know, go and sow your wild oats, see if the shoot fits. And I, I literally lived my life for so many years, according to other people's standards. And then I didn't realize, and I look back and reflecting on all those little, you know, those sexual escapades, I was always, um, intoxicated, whether it was drugs or alcohol, there was always a sense of shame afterwards. And I didn't actually like it. I didn't actually like it. I numbed myself to do this because it was like, okay, another notch, another thing. And, but what I would find is when I would talk to these women before we would do this, because I was raised by my, you know, like my grandfather was an immigrant and my, 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 my mother, there's this more empathic side to myself that I have. So I would really like pick up these little cues from these, these women that I'm like, man, you're hurt. Like you're really hurt. And like, you're seeing something that's not there. It's right. not. And you can see it and like, it's like a mirror in front of my face where, you know, there's probably a lot more guys out there that are, you know, conducting their lives this way and they haven't even realized it. And yep. so, right. And so I realize that I'm more of an empath. I am a compassionate person. I do emote a little bit more. Those times, like I struggled with, you know, porn addiction and that caused some erectile dysfunction through my teens mm -hmm. and my twenties. And, but what also helped perpetuate this issue was like showing up, doing these things. And I'm like, man, I'm actually not into this. This is performative. This is like a sport. Yeah. And I wasn't, into it. there was this disconnection from mind, body, and spirit completely because I was living a lie. And also too, this like massive suppression of emotions. Like, you know, to your point about tears, bro, like for so long, I would tell a guy, you tell guys like, you know, you know, you're quote unquote a bitch, bro. If you, if you cry, mm -hmm. there's nothing bitch like about that. It's just obviously context, how you do it, how often you do it. They matter. Of course, like nobody wants to see a man cry all the time. But at the same time, like I've allowed my wife to see me tear up, like those emotions are real. And actually what I found was that as soon as I embraced the fact that I am a bit more of an emotive person, if I do, like I'm a musician, I'm a creative person at heart. So when I hear the right song, it reminds me of this time, I'll start to tear up. If I, the, the end of Armageddon makes me cry, you know what I'm saying? But am I sitting there yeah. bawling? No, I'm not. But like to feel those things, like when somebody passes or when something traumatic happens, my wife's seen me tear up when my daughter gave me a hug and a kiss and called me dad for the first time. And I teared up like that's very real. And, and, and there's nothing emasculating about it. And in fact, that allowed me to get closer to my wife. I didn't see this like, oh, she respects me less. Now, if I was a blubbering fool all the time, maybe she would. Right. But the fact that I'm not, and those things like how many guys are living lies, they're being players and they're like, they're pretending these, they're these stoic, sto stoic philosophers when they're not. Yeah. And they just have to embrace those things. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, and going back to the whole idea of flawed and vulnerable, I think when you're able to show your emotions in real time, it, again, it's hard for other people not to consider you as a human, right? And not have that connection. Um, I mean, I'm sure that's what your wife would feel like, oh, he's human after all, right? And he's showing the emotions. And it's so important for us to show our emotions because otherwise you repress them. And similar to whatever you're repressing when you're seeking out pleasure or whatever it is, you're just disassociating from yourself and, and it creates, um, I think internal chaos, which we don't necessarily realize. And that's where I think it becomes a cycle. You know, you're, you're, you, because you're experiencing that chaos, you continue to numb and numb and numb and it becomes a never ending cycle, unfortunately. And it was a, a cycle I was on for a while too. And until I realized that, you know, I had two choices, break that cycle 
or continue yeah. it and go down this deep, dark hole that is continuing to get deeper and deeper. Uh, the more I continue down this cycle and it was so important for me, important for me to put an end to it and, and really find myself and, and ground myself. <clears throat> um, and I don't think I've figured it all out because I still have bouts with my ego and, and my ego tempts me or, or persuades me in different directions that I know I shouldn't be following, but sometimes it's hard. Uh, especially when you're at your most vulnerable moments, your, your ego will come up and, and try to pull you. So it's being aware of it and, and mindful of it for sure. Thousand percent, man. And, and the only, I kind of accidentally stumbled into it. I've always thought of myself to be a self-aware person, but it wasn't until that I met my wife and, and, you know, we had a baby that I was like, oh, down, this is real now. Like I got to, I got to figure myself out big time. And there was like, there's these series of events that, and the commonality between all those events is that it produced pressure. They produced, um, stress, good, positive stress. Like from man to really step into his manhood, he's got to put his back against the flame. Right. So here I am, this young man and, and you know, my wife, girlfriend at the time, you know, I got married to her like a month later. I was like, I got to, I was operating sort of blind, but the, the first push was her hovering above me and saying, we're pregnant. I'm like, Oh dude, I can't be living for myself anymore. And that was the, the great awakening is that we're, we're walking around living solely for like the temple of I when really like that fulfillment and that like actualization of our character and our, our manhood, and also that reconciliation between uh, ourselves and our relationship with our fathers. I think do, does it becomes healed through a process of pressure, and what that implies is that you're taking like extreme accountability and ownership yeah. with, over yourself or the situation that you're in. And so if it wasn't for my wife, and I just prayed God every day that you know He gave me a, a good woman. I don't know what I did to deserve that after what all, all that I've done, but it's certainly without that catalyst for change for me, I wouldn't have been able to step into this. And so it sounds like for you, tell me if I'm wrong. That started with you talking to your dad, correct? Well, I think it wasn't one thing. Um, yeah, it's I a think, of thing, usually, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and to your point, I'm I I'm also very grateful and and consider myself fortunate to be able to go through those experiences through life. And there's different moments where different things happen, but it's kind of part of your hero's journey where one aspect of it is you know, repairing and, and forgiving your father or whatever it is, there's different obstacles along the way, like I mentioned. And, um, and then there's more coming on this journey. And that's the thing. I think as men, once we take responsibility for ourselves, we're able to, as you mentioned earlier, recognize that things do happen for us, not to us. And that there's more agency in that because then we're not saying, Hey, I'm a victim. I'm a, um, I'm part of the effect. It's like, no, I'm, I'm the cause of these yes. things that, um, manifest themselves. And, and I think then you can even reframe and shift how your life plays out because you maintain that level of positivity as well as, uh, discipline or control, whatever it, it takes. But that's kind of how I approach life is like, okay, well, there's certain things that are going to happen throughout the day. I have no control over. The only thing I can control is how I'm showing up. And sometimes I'm going to miss the mark. Sometimes I'm going to, you know, as a flawed human, I'm going <laughs> to make mistakes. But it's also recognizing that at the end of the day, 
I'm looking back at all the mistakes I made and how can I improve on them? Uh, and sometimes it takes me many, many tries, but yeah. Really, that's the process of just life in general and, and, and growth. And a lot of times, like, you know, for me, my, I think the downfall of man is, 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 is temper and, and is lust, you know, and, and, you know, without touching on the point of lust yet, but talking about anger and anger in most situations is a choice. Mm-hmm. Just like that lie that I've fed myself for so long that I'm high strung or I'm this or I'm that. I'm like, man, it's all a choice. And like, look no further than a stupid example that is like road rage, right? Like, dude, like, it's like something goes off in a human's mind as soon as he gets behind the wheel of a car that just makes you a tyrant. Right. And you literally, you don't realize it, but you're choosing to be that way. Yeah. You know, you know, of course there's normal human anger, right? Like we're all, we all succumb to it at some point for sure. Like that's, you know, I'm not going to be one of these guys that like all anger is a choice. Like, no man, anger is like part of like the human psyche and it's okay. Of course we deal with that. That's important. Like there's normal, you know, male anger, female anger, but most anger, most things are a choice, dude. And it wasn't until I realized this, that I was able to really heal my household too. It was like, man, when I come home from work, man, put the armor down, put the weapon down at the door, dude. Like, you don't know what kind of day your wife's had or your daughter's had. Like, go in there and just be bright, positive, happy, and loving as much as you can be. And if your wife ticks you off, your kid ticks you off, like, just take a split second. And again, referring back to that book, because I think that book was just so the power of one more. Um, it's just, just be calm one more time. And that's my mantra. Like, just choose, choose mercy and choose forgiveness before you choose anger. Just like, don't, don't go there yet. Yeah. You, yeah. You need, you know? And it's, it's hard. It's so hard because you feel those emotions bubbling up. But we, honestly, truthfully, I, the more I grow older, the more I realize it's a choice. And it's just we've been fooled to think that, like, our emotions happen and we're victims of circumstance when really we are, like, the masters of our own domain. And that's, like, between the ears and in the ribcage, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and to your point, anger is very informative, right? There's, I think part of it is we've, we've looked at anger as this negative emotion and then it becomes anytime anyone experiences anger, there's so much shame around it it, and you try to hide it. And I've said this a few times, but shame thrives on secrets and silence. So it continues to perpetuate. But um, I think it's recognizing, okay, what is this anger telling me? And whether, you know, to your point, if if you're feeling like a tyrant or you're lashing out uh, based on your anger, there's some sort of insecurity behind that. And it's recognizing where's that insecurity coming from? Like for me, road rage was before I would consider myself weak. It's like, oh, this guy cut me off or this guy gave me the finger. He thinks I'm weak. It's like, I'll show him. Right. And it's like, oh no, this guy's probably having a terrible day or it's first thing in the morning. And this guy's so angry. I feel compassion for him because how terrible must it be that first thing in the morning you're getting so enraged that you have to flip someone off, right? So it's just reframing it rather than taking it personally, because often we, when we personalize it, there's so much insecurities attached to it. So it's take, to your point, pausing and just taking that moment to recognize what is this anger trying to tell me? And it's amazing when, you know, even on the road, for example, when somebody's like super flippant and they're mad and you actually meet them with calmness they change instantly yeah they're expecting you to be hostile right and when you're not and you're like no no my weapon's down man their demeanor yeah. change amazing it's amazing how that happened i think for men for men for for us to get there fundamentally our ego has to die 
because if you look at like the calamity of of man like the, the the war that wages within a man's heart it's usually because of his ego yep. he feels slighted by his wife he feels slighted by his friend he feels you know underappreciated in his workplace whatever it's like all an ego battle and once and for me you know all, all men come to that ego death in their own way or sometimes they never do and that's what perpetuates these generational curses right for me yep. it was bad as soon as i like emerged from that water i was like I'm like a baby now. And in my head, I didn't want to be one of those Christians that was like, okay, I got baptized and I'm just doing the same crap. No, I yeah. felt convicted that I must live in a different way and I must put to death this ego. And it's just, and, and, and in the Bible, it says, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? But it essentially, if you can break it down, even if you're not a Christian, is like the death of your ego is the beginning of wisdom. It's who you are. You know, yeah. I saw myself, I tattooed all these symbols all over my body because... I didn't believe it in my heart. So I had to look at it on my skin. Mm. Hard realization to come to, you know, that's yeah. a hard realization. Like you're the reason your life is screwed up. You're the reason your wife resents you. You're the reason that your kids are scared to talk to you when you come home. But it's only then with that ego death, are you able to, you know, emerge like, you know, like the Phoenix out of the ashes, this new being, because that old skin fundamentally had to die has to and I, you know I, I actually take back what i said the downfall of man is not temper or lust it's ego yeah and and temper and lust are part of the ego right exactly yeah absolutely um and that's where i feel i get tested the most uh, but yeah no thank you for sharing that mike and um i know we're getting close on time here i just want to end off with one last question but you know as a father now yourself if you are, you know, compelled to share, what are the things that you're focusing on as a father now for, for your daughter? And, and if there's going to be more kids in the picture, but yeah, uh, what do you focus on and what's kind of the, the legacy you want to pass on to, to your daughter? God willing, you know, we want to have more kids, but for me, my whole thing is I don't ever want my daughter being attracted to the younger version of me. Mm. So the whole life is centered around how can I show her the love of Christ, the way that Christ loved the church. I show her that by loving her mom more than anything else in this world and showing her that in my behaviors and being calm, quick to forgive and, and, and slow to anger. And really, really like, even if I don't believe it, being the man I want her to show up with in Mary, I want that man to be so much better than me. But it's only as I set that example where you know, when she's older, she doesn't need to be validated by anybody but herself and for, by God and her parents. And mm -hmm. so the only thing I'm focusing on is, is healing my whole, my own childhood trauma, healing my relational trauma and my attachment style. So I can show up as like, you know, the most actualized man and example for her. That's, that's all that I want because, you know, when I had a kid, we were all convinced when, you know, my wife was pregnant, we didn't find out the, the gender. I was convinced it was a boy. Everybody was convinced it was a boy, except for my wife. And then so when I found out it was a girl, like, dude, that was part of the ego depth too, was like, how arrogant um, um, was I to think that I, I had the right and the privilege and that like, and I was entitled to raise a boy into a man. I wasn't fully a man yet. Mm. So when she came out, I was like, dude, all the bad stuff I did to women and now I have a little girl. Oh my God. There's nothing more sobering for a man than that. Yeah. Because yeah. if I ever find out my, my little girl's on Tinder, that I know I've failed straight up. So 
that's what I'm focused on. It's just being yeah. the best can be for her. And that starts by, you know, taking responsibility, loving her mom and loving God more than anything else in this world. Well, thank you for sharing that, Mike. Appreciate it. And and thank you for coming on here and, and being so vulnerable and honest. Uh, I really appreciate it and enjoyed the conversation today. Um, for, for listeners that do want to get a hold of you, what are some ways they can do that? Whether it's social media, online, um, yeah, how can they do I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show, dude. Like my, you know, you, you, Kurt and John Waltz have had me on their podcast in the last week and a half and my page is so small, but just to see other guys like yourself recognize, you know, some of the value and at least the heart of what I'm doing is good and seeing that recognized means a lot to me. So sincerely, thank you. It's, it's amazing to be amongst men like yourself. Um, but where to find me is, you know, my fitness stuff is Forza Barbell, but my main stuff where I'm posting most of the time is just my page on Instagram is Mike Pantile. So it's Mike and then it's spelled Pantile. So P-A-N-T-I-L-E on Instagram. And that's where mainly I post, you know, content about faith, you know, uh, motivation, fatherhood, and sort of everything in between. So you can find me there. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you again. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, bro. God bless you. We'll talk soon again. Thank you for checking out this episode with Mike. Please subscribe to the podcast if you already haven't done so. And please leave a comment. I always love hearing from you. Stay tuned for another episode next week.